0: Hey, guys, thank you for watching online all over the world. We are honored that you would watch Life Point Church services. Our mission statement around here is pointing people to a Christ-centered life, and we want to hear how that's happening through these sermons. So we would love for you to reach out to us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and tell us how God is moving in your life. Also, if you're a part of this service, but but you're not close to a local campus, we want to help you get connected to a local body. Please reach out to us, and we will recommend some great churches in your area for you to be a part of. Again, thank you for being a part of Point Church Online, and we hope God blesses you. So today, this morning, if you've got your Bibles, would you turn to Romans 14? We're continuing in our sermon series, The Inversion Law, and... uh, If uh, you haven't been here the past couple weeks, basically this idea, the inversion law, is that as believers we are to live countercultural to the world. We are to live differently. We're to live as foreigners, as aliens in a strange land. That that the, the way the world responds to things is not the way that we respond to things as. Holy Spirit filled, Christ indwelling people, right? And so we are to respond differently. It's supposed to be an upside down living uh, of the world, uh, in the world, right? And so th- that's where we've been in this series, and that's where Paul continues to go. And, and if you remember, like the beginning of chapter uh, twelve, he said that we are to be living sacrifices; that that we're we're to lay our ourselves uh, down on God's altar and let him use us for whatever purpose he'd use us for. And, and, and then we saw uh, two weeks ago that some of that uh, pertains to submission to governing authorities and actually like paying your taxes, right? Uh, you know, and, and and doing things like that. And then last week we talked about, man, we're, we're to be loving folks, like different from the world. We are to to love people. A matter of fact, one of the greatest uh, ways that you can know that you have been changed by Christ, that your heart has been regenerated, is that you love people, right? And it's not like you're loving people to be saved, but you are saved and that produces in you a love for people, right? And, and, and especially the love for the brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's what the inversion law is. That's where we have been. And today we're going to apply that inversion law, uh, chapter 14, to judging others. Um, and so that, that's where we're at this, this, uh, idea, you know, cause I, I know like in our world, uh, we, we don't, you know, when it comes to judging others, like th- this is a thing that, that, uh, it, it's kind of like, all right, what is judging? We don't really know what judging is, or we, we think everybody's judgmental, right? Like, like, and, and, and uh, like if you aren't judging others and complaining all the time, like you're not using Facebook, right? You know, and so like we've got this these ideas in our mind of what judging is and what judging isn't. Some of them right, some of them wrong. And so we're going to try to filter through uh, some of that today. And uh, but but first, let me give you some context for for this passage. Uh, He's writing again. He's writing to the church in Rome. Rome is very. Uh, multicultural um, you, you've heard it said all roads lead to Rome uh, and that's true it was very diverse lots of folks uh, different nationalities I mean this is the the basically the center of the world uh, at, at the time and 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 so you have all these things going on in, in Rome it's very multicultural very uh, uh, racially socially economic d- diverse like uh, uh v- very diverse place and so was the church and uh, which uh, is a good principle for any church. Your your church should match your community. And so, I, I mean, we are about diversity around here. We, we want to see more folks of different ethnicities, different Uh, uh, socioeconomic classes, different races, different everything coming into this place because uh, we all have the same ground that we're working from. We were sinners set apart from God. We all are saved in the same way, and therefore we should all be family, and we should be making the church look like heaven. Heaven's going to have all tribes, tongues, nations, languages, everybody, you know, right? It's not just going to be a bunch of white dudes. And so we got to continue to be about racial diversity and 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 in the church, making the church look like our community. Uh, but in this church, uh, too, you had it was a growing church, a lot of new believers. They had a lot of new believers. They had a lot of mature believers, which we'll see in a moment. There were converted Jews. There were converted Gentiles. Uh, rich, poor, educated, uneducated. Uh, Probably Democrats, Republicans, right? They didn't have those, but you know what I'm saying different political views. Uh, they they had different people, uh, different opinions all all through the church. Meat eaters, vegetarians. You will see that through the through the text today. Uh, you, you had all kinds of different different folks. Teetotalers, right? People who said. If you sniff alcohol, you're going to hell. And people enjoy a good cab, right? So it's a it's a wide variety of people in this church, and and each church um, uh, should it is diverse. It should be. We should have you know we should not all agree on everything. That would make us a cult, right? So we're not a cult. Uh, we we have differing views on 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 everything, right? And so uh, uh, and and the church should should be like that, right? And and so what we're going to see here today is uh, that th- there were some, some things going on in the church, like the meat eaters were looking down on the vegetarians. And the vegetarians uh, were saying that the meat eaters were just shallow, just they don't even think about anything. And so th- there's all these dynamics going on to where preferences begin to trump the purpose. Right, so the preferences, like their view on eating meat, their their view on holy days, uh, it, it just begin to uh, trump the gospel, the, the purpose for them being there, which I think is super applicable to us, especially in this uh, time that we're going to be merging with another congregation, because there are going to be some, to be some times in this transition that your preferences are going to be uh, going to have some tension put on them right? Oh, my preference is to sit in a middle school hard plastic seat. I don't want a comfy chair. Now, I know that's going to be hard for you to deal with, so I'm trying to help you through that, all right? Well, I no longer slide continually through the service, right? I know it's going to be tough for you, right? but there's there's gonna be other like real preferences that, that are gonna be put some strain on. But in those, I, I I plead with you, remember the purpose, right? Remember the gospel purpose, remember the reason that we do this, to give praise and honor and glory to God, to see the next generation raised, raised, raised up to worship and honor Christ, to see Christ exalted in our community and that. Folks may come to hear of the saving nature of Jesus and be saved by Him. That's the purpose. And any time our preferences, whether it be seats or carpet color or location or, uh, uh, or, or anything, right? Music style—that's a good one. Our music style. Any time our preferences begin to trump the purpose, we're out of line. We need an alignment. We've misaligned. Uh, when when the our preferences start chipping away at the purpose we're missing something up here and so that's what paul he's 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 uh he's preaching this church and very diverse church differing opinions on everything right uh and and every person in the church had a different opinion about everything and so so this is a great passage uh for judging because man i could ju- like i could judge you and it's easy to point out and... Political times, right? Like, uh, I mean, you can judge people who voted for one candidate. You can judge people who voted for not your candidate, right? You can judge people who didn't vote. You can judge people who, you know, you can just cast judgment like crazy, right? During a a thing like that, Uh, or you know, even even in the church, you can uh, you you can judge for all kinds of things. And so Paul's saying, look let's lay this out. Let me teach you on this so that we are uh, rightly united as a family, that we're not putting our preferences over purpose, but as purpose over preference and that you are a body. You are connected as a body, one unit and you should be family and and not all family agrees on everything. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but family doesn't agree on everything. And so he's telling us how to work out our differences Keeping the gospel, the gospel, right. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. All right. So let's let's read. Uh, let's read the first four verses. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. All right, so two things going on in the church. I've already mentioned the first one being uh, some were eating meat and some um, thought eating meat was a no-no. Obviously, culturally. Um, the Jews had certain things that they were not allowed to eat. They were mandated by scripture not to eat, right? So pork was one of those. They could not eat pigs. So when all of a sudden, you know, they're doing church with a bunch of Gentiles who love bacon, right? And so they're like, oh, we don't know this is right. We think this is wrong. This doesn't feel right because of my Past because of my culture, because of what I've always done, because of my traditionalism, I'm saying, oh, I don't think eating bacon is right. And then you have Gentile believers who are coming in, and th- there were certain meats that were sacrificed to idols that maybe the Jews were eating. And so they kind of felt weird about that. And our culture, that's generally sacrificed to idols. It doesn't make sense why you would be eating those things. And so what would begin to happen was they would. Be judging one another on the, on these very thing, and they would say, "Those people are eating meat, and the people are eating meat, those people aren't eating meat. Like they're they're abusing their, they're restricting our freedoms, and all these kind of tensions going on in the church." And 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 so both both were having a difficult time. But notice, Paul says that the weak. When we think weak, we our our concept of weak, I think, is different than what Paul means here, because. He's referring to the weak brother, but the, the weak brother is very fervent, very vigilant in wanting to please Jesus, right? It's not just you know, uh, somebody who, who, who is not trying to worship God, living for their own life, completely uh, just delving into sin, and we say, oh, that's just a weak brother. No, that's not, not at all the context here. The context is, is someone who's passionately pursuing Jesus, wanting. To, to honor Jesus with their whole life, and, and to the certain extent that they begin to restrict certain freedoms to worship Jesus. So actually, the weak brother in this context is the one that says, no, y'all shouldn't have those freedoms. Shouldn't be doing those things. So it's kind of counterculture to what we typically read the passage as, but this is what he's saying. He's saying that that's the, the, the weak one is the one who's legalistic, who has a legalistic spirit here, and uh, and though the weak brother saved by grace, uh, I believe is a believer. Um, he's just trying to please God through rules and regulations, and, and 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 adding to some things here, right? And so Paul is is trying to correct some of that. Um, he, and 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 when you look at the Gospel of Mark in, in chapter seven, um, you, you can see that Christ has made it uh, all food uh, permissible to eat. And so, so he has lifted the ban on pork, praise God. Um, and, uh, bacon is good for me. Right. And, uh, and so, so, so Paul is describing weak Christians as those, uh, who, who take the scripture further than God and ever intended it to be taken. And if you've grown up in the church for any amount of time, you've seen this to happen. Right. I mean, uh, again, like uh coming from a Baptist background, old school Baptist, if you remember, it was like it was a sin to dance. It was a sin to play cards, a, 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 a sin to, you know, uh, dip snuff, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> You're going to hell. But the deacons are getting, smoking them cigarettes on the back porch real quick after that sermon. Right. Uh, but look, all these different things, man, that 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 become um, extra biblical, uh, in our, in our culture, in our context, in our country, uh, alcohol is a great example of that. Uh, alcohol in and of itself is not prohibited by the scripture. Uh, but because of our culture and with, the, with prohibition and different things that we've walked through as a, as a country, uh, it became a social faux pas thing. It became this really this evil, uh, thing, but I don't know if you know this, but Jesus made wine and... We're going to drink wine in heaven. So there you go, right? Now, what is, what is talked about in the scriptures is the abuse of those things, right? You, you can't get drunk. That's a sin. Uh, now, some of you may have struggled with that in your past and your conscience, or, or maybe you say, man, my parents were alcoholics. I never want to do that because I don't want to go there. Great. You have to obey your conscience. To disobey your conscience would be sin. So you have to do that, but you can't begin mandating your conscience on other believers because it's not given to us in the scriptures. So if if my conscience says, I'm never going to touch this stuff because my father's alcoholic, his father's alcoholic, his father's alcoholic, therefore it's not good for me. But if I begin to take that conviction and say, hey, y'all shouldn't touch the stuff, that would be extra biblical. That would be going beyond what God has regulated and commanded, right? And so, uh, and so then I begin to judge you for, you know, drinking your PBR, right? Now, I may judge you if you drink PBR, but uh, that's just because you drink PBR, right? Right. Uh, but here's the thing, like like we can't begin to mandate on people convictions that are not scriptural. And that's what Paul is getting to here. And 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 there are two two major ditches when we're talking about our sanctification. One is antinomianism, which is no law at all. That God has no law, there's no rules, no regulations, there's nothing to follow, there's no standard to follow. That's antinomianism or anti-law, right? Or licentiousness. Or, 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 uh, uh, or, uh, sorry, that's, that's this one. The other one is legalism. So licentiousness, legalism. Antinomianism, legalism, right? And legalism says, all right, it's, it's, here's the law, and we're going to add to the law, which is what the Pharisees were doing, right? They had the law of God, but then they had like 600 and something more laws that they added to the Bible, right? That is legalism, right? We've talked about this before. Like on Sabbath... It was uh, commanded to them to not work, right so what what is work? Well, they believed they had dirt floors. Remember if you dragged a chair across the floor the, the the legs of that chair would be tilling the dirt, and that would be work, so you can't do that. you can't drag a chair on the Sabbath. These are legalistic principles and, and we do that in in our own stuff we we have all a hint of legalism and everything we do which is why we always got to be constantly coming to the word for God to soften our heart and make sure we're in line with the with the scriptures right because both antinomianism and legalism are destructive and so if you begin to sway one way or the other you're heading down a dangerous road and that's what Paul's trying to express here so let's read the next two verses starting five One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Okay, so the second problem going on is that the Jews were trying to hold on to holy days right remember the jews had all these feasts and festivals and the holy days that they that they would hold on to and the sabbath that they would hold on to these days as holy days and when the gentile believers weren't practicing their holy days they'd fly off the handle like right? no you you got to uh, uh, right like and, so they're, and they're judging them for not doing what they're supposed to be doing and they they're judging them for getting so cranky about it and like so there's this, all this stuff uh, going on in, in the church and And uh, a great example is the Sabbath. Obviously, the Jews uh, worshipped the Sabbath from sundown Friday night till sundown Saturday night. This was their Sabbath, right? And so when that changed for them, when they began to worship on Sunday, there are a couple of verses talking about the first of the week. They brought their offerings in the first of the week. They gathered the first of the week, uh, some different things uh, leading to uh, the the Chris, uh, Christianity uh, celebrating the Sabbath day or worship day on the Sunday, right? So, so when they begin to shift in that, obviously this is what the Jews had always done. They'd always done the Friday night, Saturday night thing, right? And so a shift in that is like, oh, change. And we know all of us struggle with change, especially when you, If you're talking about a change that you've done all your life and for every generation you've ever heard of has done that. Right. And so change is difficult. It's hard. It's 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 not easy. Ch- change on any level is not easy, but change for the Jew here is definitely not easy. And so they're like flipping out on why these things would be moving uh, to to Sunday. And they be, begin to have to release their idea of These these holy days, that every day is the Lord's day, right? Uh, And if you look at uh, just some scriptural context, I think it's uh, Colossians 2, 14 through 17-ish. Basically, the scripture is releasing the holy days, releasing the Sabbath days, like uh, saying you're not bound to those anymore. Right. And by not bound, it doesn't mean we neglect meeting together. We still have a Sabbath in principle, but that doesn't mean it can't be we can't worship together on Saturday night or Sunday night or Tuesday morning. I don't know. I'm done stuff out every day is the Lord's, every day is uh, the Lord's day, right? And so, uh, but when, but the, the gathering of the saints, when you gather, uh, I think, uh, I think that's a great day to do a Sabbath rest kind of day. Okay, so today's a day, I'm just, we're going to, as a family, we're going to worship God. We're we're going to, he's going to be the focus of today. Now, he should be the focus of every day, but where you stop life for a bit of time for the purpose of, we're going to honor the Lord today, right? But, th- but whether you do that on Saturday or Sunday or, you know, Friday, I don't know. Maybe some of you, you have w- weird work schedules and you don't, you know, or your husband has weird work schedules, right? And Tuesday is the only day that you and your family are together. And maybe that's your day to say, all right, we're going to worship the Lord today as a family. And so when you do it, it's not important, but that you do it is important, that you're worshiping, you're gathering with the believers, that you are uh, doing some family worship stuff uh, with your family, right? Um, so, so the Jews began to elevate opinion over Scripture uh, because they, they they were trying to hold on to these these traditions. Now, in verse one, Paul said that we shouldn't quarrel or judge people because of their opinions or preferences uh, or, or over non-essential issues, right? So he's not talking about essential issues, right? Uh, I, I want to be clear. So he, he's not saying, okay, if someone believes that Jesus is the only way to God, but other, believes that, other people believe that all ways lead to God, that's okay. No, he's not, he's, that's not what he's saying. That's an essential issue. He, he's not saying, some, some believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, but some think, no, he wasn't really born of a virgin. That doesn't matter. No, that's, that's an essential doctrine. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, or man, some, some think it's okay for homosexuality uh, to, to be praised and honored in the church. Or some people don't. The, 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 it's not essential doctrine issues. It's talking about preferences, like your worship style, like your, your stance on uh, anything that's not scriptural, right? That's not specifically spoken to from the scripture. What kind of car you drive? Right, uh, you know, if you drive a Ford or if you drive a Chevy, or if you drive a Honda, it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter, right? And but if I start judging you because you, you know, like, oh, real Christians shouldn't drive a Cadillac, right? Real, real Christians wouldn't drive a Ford. <laughs> No, that's silly, right? That's that's non-essential issues. And this is what Paul is speaking to, that they begin to do non-essential issues and quarrel about non-essential issues, right? And, And Paul is saying basically that the weaker brother should not be allowed to destroy the freedom in the church by restricting it because the pace of the church is not set by the weaker brother, right? And so if there are folks in here that, Let's take drinking again because I think it's a good analogy, especially in our context. It, and, and you say, no, I don't want any part to do, I don't want anything to do with this. That's great. But we're not going to preach that from the stage because you don't dictate what goes on as a church. It may not be okay for you, but you can't say that the Bible says it, right? So that the pace of the church is not going to be set by the conscience of the uh, of the brother, right? Right? And so if you have a conscience that's keeping you from doing something beyond what the scriptures teach, that's great for you. But that's not how the church is going to be. Uh, the church has to stay true to the word of God no matter what, no matter what. And, and so th- that, that's how it's always got to be. And so the, the page of the church is not set by anybody's conscience It's set by the word of God. Right. All right. Let's let's read on seven through nine. And I got the fly because, yeah, I just do. For none of us uh, lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether you live or whether you die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. All right, so, so uh, in verse 6, uh, Paul says that we should be convinced in our heart uh, and, and, and everything we do should honor the Lord. It, it echoes 1 Corinthians. It says, Wh- whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do for the glory of God. And, and so everything we do, whether we live, whether we die, no matter what we do, should all be done uh, for the Lord. So if we live, we live for him. If we die, we die for him. All of us uh, live unto the Lord. So he, he, he's saying this because he's saying, if you are a vegetarian, then, then you know, eat your tofu and bean sprouts for the glory of God. Right? I, I, I give glory to God. I don't have to eat that stuff, right? Uh, if, if you're a meat eater, get you a nice sirloin and praise God. You know, don't cook it uh, well done, okay? Get, get a good cut, right? And, uh, but praise God for it, right? Pra- praise God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. And so, so it, again, let me, let me give you some other examples. If, if you like the K- King James Version of the Bible, great for you read your king james version of the bible give glory and honor to god uh, but you can't say you can't begin to say well the esv is is not and and same thing for those of you which is most of us who have the esv you can't be saying well, that dang king king james version listen we ought to be thankful for king james version because it brought us through centuries of dark ages without scripture and so we have a uh we, we can't be looking down on it and say hey you know do this uh maybe wear a hat right wearing a hat some some of you say i can't believe they'd wear that hat in church all right well in uh, jewish customs you had to wear something over your head as a man and so are you letting your culture and your preferences dictate what you believe right and so i think you got to begin to evaluate all this i remember i'll tell you this real quick i don't have time to tell you this but i'm gonna tell you it anyway uh (laughs) When I was in college, I went to a church in Knoxville. I won't tell you the name of it, but I went to a church in Knoxville, and I wasn't a part of that church. It was just like a concert or something. And I had a hat on, and, uh, and I, again, I was a new believer. I, you know, I relatively, like a year, year and a half I've been a believer. And I walk in, and I came out of this church, right, which is, you know, we are who we are. And hats were okay. So I'm, I don't know any better. I, you know, I, I, like literally when I came to Christ, I didn't know anything about this Bible. I, I seriously contemplated ripping out every book of this Bible and putting it together alphabetically so I could find something. <laughs> because, you, you know, I'd sit beside my wife who was like Betty Bible Drill. <laughs> and they'd say, turn to Ecclesiastes. she like, Ecclesiastes. And I'm like table of contents <laughs> so I didn't know anything so when I got to this church I had a hat on I didn't know any better I mean I say know any better it wasn't a sin but I walk in with this hat on and I'll never forget this whole <laughs> this old guy uh, this old guy starts running after me I mean he's probably a six-year-old man he's wearing this red jacket just like the Gestapo or something he's just he's coming after me. he's a young man young man yeah he's like you can't have your hat on in church that does not honor the Lord All right, I'll never be back again. Now, I was young and stupid, right? But the point is this. Is that a preference over the purpose? Is that a preference over the purpose? And so when we have come into our church homeless men, are we going to look at that man and say, hey, you got to clean up a little bit before you come to church? That would be putting a preference over the purpose. When we begin to put anything that's not scriptural, that's just our opinion or our preference over the gospel, we get to realign our heart, re- get a new vision for what does the scripture say and what should I hold to. Should I wear jeans or a suit? It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. Now, you may think skinny jeans should be well off the table. I get that, all right? I'm with you, but it's not in the Bible. I'm looking for it. It's not there. Okay? So wear your skinny jeans for the glory of God, all right? All these things, we, we can't be putting preference over, our, over the purpose, right? We have to hold to what we know to be right and true. That's what's found in the Scriptures. Anything extra biblical, we have to be willing to release and let go of. Because those things are, will, will sway us either antinomianism, licentiousness, or legalism. And we don't want to go that route. We want to hold the gospel as, as what's most prized, what's most valuable. And if someone comes in doing something that we wouldn't do, but it's not against the Scripture, we've got to begin to say, all right, we're family. This is, this is not a dividing issue. This is not an issue to judge over, right? All right, let's, let's wrap up. I'm sorry, I'm getting to preaching. 10 through 12 why do you pass judgment on your brother or you why do you despise your brother for we all stand before the judgment seat of God for it is written as I live says the Lord every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God so then each of us will give an account of himself to God so so again passing judgment doesn't mean we we don't judge people's actions right i want to be very clear on this because Because this is probably, this judge not lest you be judged is probably the most misused scripture in all the Bible, right? It doesn't say that we don't have authority to judge. We have authority to judge, but our standard for judging isn't our preference or opinions. Our standard for judging is the word of God. And so if your brother is sinning, then you have the obligation and really the responsibility to go to him and say, hey, look. That what you are doing, how you are living, is sin. It's displeasing to God. It, it's what Christ came to die for. And it's not me judging you; it's the Bible. And so we, so not confronting people, not not calling out sin, uh, is as bad as judging. Uh, off of our preference and opinions. We have a responsibility to the body to confront sin. That also means if someone confronts your sin, you have a responsibility, as the scriptures say, to take the, the, that that confrontation from a brother because that is life to you. They're watching out for your soul. I can't tell you how many times that someone will... will uh, have uh church discipline hey hey man what you're doing is sin you don't need to be doing that that's sin see this in the bible it's sin well i'm gonna do it anyway and you know what i'm just gonna go to a different church that's damning to your soul the scriptures are plain when it says that those kind of confrontations are life unto you now they stink they're not pleasant. They're not comfortable. In the moment, that you hate that person. I get that. But you've got to be able to have the godliness within you to step back and say, Is this true? Is this right? Is the Bible right? Saying this. The very thing I'm being confronted on. And, and so those things are life to you. You have to welcome those confrontations from the brother. And you got to be doing life with people so that someone can see your blind spots. I've said this a hundred times. They're called blind spots. Why? Because you can't see them. Everybody's got them. So who's looking out for us to say, hey, bro, uh, you're, you, you're kind of leaning towards like negative about everything. Are you sure that's the way Christ would treat his wife or, or the church or anything else? Who's watching out those blind spots for you? And then, like, it's always funny to me when uh, I hear people say, Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. That should scare the hell out of you. Literally. We will all stand before God. The non believer will stand as death and life judgment. And yes, only God in the end will judge you. And he's going to judge you based on everything in this book. He's going to judge you based on your relationship with his son. He's going to judge you based on did you bow your knee to him in this life or will you bow your knee to him in that judgment? That's what he's judging you on. Now, for the believer, we will stand before a judgment, too. It won't be that same judgment. We will be, because we will have entered into life. We've been covered by the blood of Jesus. We have been saved. So we pass that death and life judgment, and we enter into a judgment based on what we did now with the gospel. So we will be judged based on our works. Not for salvation, right? Right? But just for standing, just, just uh, did we, uh, will God be able to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Those judgment off of all works, right? So there's two judgments. Death and life, you pass through if you're a believer. Second one, you'll be judged on your, on your works. You'll be standing before the, the Father uh, and, and judged based on your works. So um, in this passage, he reminds us again, three times, he says that we'll all stand before Jesus. We're all going to be judged, and he's going to judge us by how we lived, right? And so, this is why all the more reason for us to hang on to the main thing, the main thing that we'll be judged on. Man, you're not going to be judged on, uh, you know, did you drive a Ford or a Chevy? That's, that's stupid. You're not going to be judged on, did you attend a, a, a church that sang just hymns or sang them, them contemporary songs? That's not going to be at your judgment. What's going to be at your judgment is you were saved. If you are saved, you are saved. All right. Uh, What did you do with that? How many people did you share the gospel with? Did you serve your church? Did you love the brothers? Did you love my word? Did you repent of sin? Did you hate sin? Did you take confrontation over your own sin? Well, these are the things that we're going to be judged on. Right? Not preferential or opinions. Not who you voted for in the election. Eh, Maybe you will be. I don't know. Not preferential things, but gospel-centric things. Spiritual, kingdom-minded things. That's what we will stand before God in judgment over. So, church... Purpose over preference. Purpose over preference. Keep the gospel the main thing. It has to be the main thing. Not our agenda. Not not anything else. Stay true to the scripture. Obey your conscience. But if your conscience is extra biblical, don't impress that upon anyone else. Preach the truth of the scripture. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you for your many, many graces on us. And, God, we can't thank you enough for um, the gospel, the purpose, the, the, the way in which you receive all glory and honor and praise, that you came. You were born of a virgin. You lived the perfect life. You died my death, and you were raised again, defeating death and the grave forever. And you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you are praying even now for the saints. We praise you for that. God, guard our heart from antinomianism, from from licentiousness, and and guard our heart from legalism. We just want to portray Christ as purely as we can. Help us to do that, Father. We know our flesh uh, wells up in us a lot and that that we are are swayed to be more prideful or arrogant or, or whatever, but God, continue to keep us Humble, remembering that we got salvation, though we didn't deserve it. And, and may we continue to lift up the name of Christ as you are portrayed in the scripture. We love you. We need you. And God, we praise you for all you do in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.